Okay, Carolyn, my first verse isn't on your slide set. So why don't you turn to John chapter 14. That was such a beautiful song, Jessica. And we're going to see that praise is a central part of overcoming fear. But God has always had a message when people are troubled or people are afraid. And this verse in, in John just came to me, oh, about 20 minutes ago. It was, the, the setting is the Last Supper. And the apostles who had been looking to Jesus to be taken to Jerusalem as king have now finally understood that there's going to be a cross. Jesus had been telling them for a while, but they just didn't get it. And they finally get the cross, but what they can't see now is the resurrection. And this happens to people sometimes. They finally dawn that something is wrong, but they don't understand that God has a solution. And God has something to say whenever we are troubled. And in John chapter 14, in verse 27, Jesus says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. That verse can be spoken into anything that threatens us. And of course, the spread of the coronavirus has caused a spike in the fear levels, not only of people in this country, but around the world. As Christians, how do we respond to that? How do we respond to the fear that engulfs people? Well, first, we turn our eyes to God in praise and in prayer. And then once we have our eyes on God, we stand in the fear of the Lord. And we're going to look at what the fear of the Lord is today because it is a powerful truth about receiving God's deliverance. The fear of the Lord is the fear that calms all other fears. Now, God says fear not in his word over 60 times. And when you look at variations of fear not, it's way over 100 times. But think about it. Those two words, fear not, by themselves are not going to change much. Remember when they had that reggae song about 15 years ago, Don't Worry, Be Happy? Okay, that did not put many psychologists out of business. To just say, don't worry, be happy, doesn't change things. To say, be not afraid or fear not, by itself isn't going to change your life. But God never leaves things by themselves. Wherever God gives a promise, wherever God gives a command... He always gives instructions as well. And we're going to look at some of these instructions. We're going to start in Proverbs, which is a place where God gives a lot of insight into life. Because Proverbs was written to youth on the cusp of being adults to show them how to live life. And it has great spiritual depth, and it has a lot of what you might call common sense. We're first going to look at some common sense from Proverbs 27, verse 12. In Proverbs 27, verse 12, it says, A prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. So it is not scriptural to ignore things. 
I have encountered Christians who, when they get sick, they just say, well, I'm not sick, I'm healed in Christ. No, you are sick, and you need to be prayed for and ministered to. Denial is never a successful approach to dealing with life's troubles. So the prudent person foresees dangers and takes precautions. That's why we're meeting here today. That's why I'm sitting in a chair on the stage sharing with you online, because we simply are taking precautions to bless people. Now, in Proverbs 3, verse 25, is a pair of my favorite verses when it comes to fear. It says, Do not be afraid of sudden fear. And hasn't this been a sudden fear over the last few weeks? It has just popped up out of nowhere. Why can we not be afraid of sudden fear? You notice how God puts that. He doesn't say don't be afraid of dot, dot, dot. Don't be afraid of this disease. Don't be afraid of that war. Don't be afraid of this storm. He's covering it. Don't be afraid of sudden fear. And why? Verse 26 tells us, For the Lord your God will be your confidence. I don't have much confidence in Bob. I don't have much confidence in the government, in our society, in my stocked cupboard. I have confidence in the Lord. He will keep your foot from being caught. So if you're going to start to overcome fear, it's good to recognize that God has offered to help. And God is in a position to help. God helps in a lot of different ways. And, of course, protecting us from the things that we are afraid of is a common theme that you're going to see in Scripture. But there's more. And there's something even more foundational than that. If you are tired of being battered around by fear and anxiety, then it's time to learn about the fear of the Lord, which is the fear that calms all other fears. And we're going to look at what the fear of the Lord means, but first I want to show you how important it is within God's Word. And we can go to Deuteronomy chapter 10. And an interesting listing here. It says, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? It's an interesting question. What is God looking for? What does He require of you? Here it is. But to fear the Lord your God to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Now, several things listed in that verse. Fear of the Lord is listed first. Now, isn't that interesting? Fear of the Lord is listed before walking in his ways. That's obedience to his commands. Fear of the Lord is listed before love, which is the first and great commandment. Fear of the Lord is listed before service. It must be a very foundational truth. Tied up within the fear of the Lord is knowing who God is. And before you can love Him, before you can serve Him, you need to know who God is and what He represents to you. Let's take a look at Proverbs chapter 19. This is a very strong promise, especially in light of the fears that people are facing regarding the coronavirus. Proverbs 19.23 says, The fear of the Lord leads to life, and whoever has it rests satisfied. He will not be visited by harm. Isn't that a great saying? Those who have the fear of the Lord, whatever that might be, don't know what it is yet, but whoever has the fear of the Lord will not be visited by harm. 
And then in Psalm 115, another great verse. He, speaking of God, will bless those who fear the Lord, both the small and the great. God blesses people who fear him. I imagine that everybody would like to have their lives blessed by God. So let's figure out what it means to fear the Lord. Because that's the key here. Fearing the Lord is the key to not being visited by harm. It is the key to being blessed by God. Now, fear of the Lord, by the way, appears most frequently, that phrase, the fear of the Lord, appears most frequently in the Old Testament. However, it is an eternal truth. Look at Acts chapter 9. Now, the setup for Acts chapter 9 is Saul had been persecuting the church. He had been wreaking havoc in the Christian church, not only in Jerusalem and in Judea, but he had even been sent to Damascus and Syria to arrest Christians. Obviously, this was very disturbing to Christians. God got to Saul, and he became Paul the Apostle. And after that event, after the stopping of that persecution, here's what it says in Acts 9.31. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit it multiplied. This is the church as it is approaching the apex of its growth in the first century. And at its very start, we have churches walking in the fear of the Lord. What would it look like if we today, as individuals, as a church, as the body of Christ, walked in the fear of the Lord? I, for one, would like to find out. So we can, we can start with us. The title this morning is The Fear That Will Calm All Fears. And that title has a figure of speech in it. The word fear appears twice, but it is used in two different ways, one positive and one negative. This is a common figure of speech. In fact, Benjamin Franklin used it when he signed the Declaration of Independence. Many of you might have heard this when you were studying American history. After signing the Declaration of Independence, he looked around at his fellow revolutionaries and said, surely we must all hang together, or assuredly we will all hang separately. There he is using the word hang in two different ways. Now, he could have just stated a literal truth. Hey, guys, we need to stick together or we're going to be executed. Okay, that's the literal truth, right? But by using that figure, he made a greater impact. God uses that figure as well. He uses this word fear in his word, in two different ways, one of which is negative, one of which is way positive. And we see this in Isaiah chapter 8. We see both of them that way. It says, do not call conspiracy all that this people calls conspiracy. Now, I think this is interesting. We think conspiracy theories are all new and fashionable in the 21st century. This was written 600 B.C., People have always been seeing conspiracies and being afraid. God says, do not call conspiracy all that this people calls conspiracy, and do not fear what they fear, nor be in dread. Then verse 13, God goes on to say, but let the Lord of hosts, him 
you shall honor as holy. Let him be your fear and let him be your dread. The word fear there is used in two different contexts. One is very positive. One is going the way of the world. The answer to fear is always the same. We start with the fear of the Lord. And God uses this word fear purposefully in two different ways, one positive and one negative. I first want to show you the negative side of fear. Fear in a negative sense is a paralyzing distress aroused by an intense concern for impending pain, danger, or evil. When someone or something powerful threatens us, we respond in fear. God does not want this kind of fear to control your life. The command, fear not, is proclaimed repeatedly in God's word, and Psalms gives us a start to how we can overcome paralyzing fears. In Psalm 34.4, it says, I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Now, if fear is something that God delivers us from, why does he repeatedly say that we should have the fear of the Lord? This is obviously something different than the common usage of the word fear that engulfs so many men and women. Now, over the centuries, many Christians have mistakenly looked at the fear of the Lord as though it were any other kind of fear. Hey, God is big, God is powerful, I should quake in his presence. But that's not the way this word is used in Scripture. Certainly God is powerful, and his enemies should quake in his presence. But we are not God's enemies. We are God's children. And the fear of the Lord is not about being threatened by God. It is a very different usage. You know, when I took American Lit in high school, I think they probably still make kids take American Lit in high school, But I took it, and we had to read sermons of colonial preachers. And the one that I remember the most was by Jonathan Edwards. And the title of the sermon was, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. Yes, whoa. (laughs) There you go. Is, Is that the way God presents himself? Certainly, if God were angry with you, that would inspire the fear of the Lord. But is that what the fear of the Lord is? Is the fear of the Lord a threat to motivate you to repentance? No. That's not how God motivates. God motivates with love. Look at Romans chapter 2. It says, Or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience? not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance. God never uses fear to motivate his children. Religion uses fear all the time, but not God. God uses love. So we know that the fear of the Lord is unlike any other fear. But what is the fear of the Lord? What is this different kind of fear that God is talking about? Let's look at fear in a positive sense. Fear in a positive sense. Part of the meaning of fear, because words have a range of meaning. 
It's like in English, the word key. The word key can be a piece of metal that unlocks a door. It can be an answer key to an exam. It could be a piano key. The word key has a range of meanings. The word fear also has a range of meaning. And part of the meaning of fear is to have reverence or be in awe of someone. And this is our heart towards God. Look at Psalm 22. That's why I love that song, I Will Praise at Midnight. That was great because it says, you who fear the Lord, praise him. Fear of the Lord inspires praise. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him and stand in awe of him, you offspring of Israel. The fear of the Lord is being in awe. It is glorifying. It is praising him. Praise builds the fear of the Lord in your life. It reminds us not of danger, but of God's majesty and of his power. That's what the fear of the Lord was in Deuteronomy. That's why it was foundational. You need to know who God is before you can love and serve him. Look at Psalm chapter 33. Psalm 33. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. Fearing the Lord is standing in awe of his presence, of his goodness, of his love, of his strength on our behalf. We would stand in awe of God. Surely God is powerful. But it goes beyond that. In order to cultivate the fear of the Lord, we need to know both who God is and who God is to us. Knowing that God is powerful in and of itself may not lead you to the fear of the Lord. It might lead you to cower in his presence. Sinners in the hands of an angry God. You have to know who God is and who God is to you. Look at Psalm 103. It says, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love to those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. With all that he is, with all his goodness, his holiness, his power, the creator God has chosen to love you and have compassion on you. Knowing this gives you a sense of awe. David said this, Who am I that you should be mindful of me, or the Son of Man? Who am I? Who are we that the God who created the universe would take note of us? To fear the Lord is to be in wonder at his love and his goodness, in awe of his majesty and of his power. God is powerful, but we are not afraid of that power because God is also our Father. Praise is so important in this because it reminds us of who God is. We don't sing praises to remind God of his greatness. God is very secure in his identity. He knows who he is. We sing praises to remind us of who God is and what he does. Take a look at Psalm 89. Psalm 89 says in verse 5, Let the heavens praise your wonders, O Lord, your faithfulness in the assembly of the holy ones. 
Verse 6, For who in the skies can be compared to the Lord? Who among the heavenly beings is like the Lord? A great, a God greatly to be feared in the counsel of the holy ones, and awesome above all who are around him. O Lord, God of hosts, who is mighty as you are? O Lord, with all your faithfulness, with your faithfulness all around you. That's a powerful description of the God who is our Father. With all the blessings of fearing God. With the great emphasis God places on us, I think that now you say, okay, yeah, fearing the Lord would be a good thing. How do we go about doing this? How do we develop the fear of the Lord in our lives? How do you come to the place where you stand in awesome wonder at the God who has created you? That's where singing his praises is helpful. Reminding yourself of who he really is and who he is for you. The fear of the Lord is something that can be taught. It is something that can be learned. And it comes early in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 2, as I said earlier, this is an instruction for youth. Fear of the Lord is foundational. We don't think this way in our culture today. We need to understand what it's like to stand in awe and wonder of the God who loves and created us. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 1. It says, My son... If you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding. Well, who are you going to call out to? God. If you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. You want to understand the fear of the Lord? Come to God's word with a meek and a humble heart. Jesus Christ said, not my will, but thy will be done. My life is yours, God. If you will give your life to God, if you will lay it before him, no more Bob, but God. More God, less Bob. That's one of my mantras. And I want to look at God and allow him to direct every part of my life. I don't want to keep anything back. I made Jesus Lord. Blanket. I didn't make him Lord of X, Y, and Z. I just made him Lord. I want to treat him that way. One way you can understand the fear of the Lord that might be more modern in its wording is take God seriously. How seriously do you take God? I'm sure there are certain areas of your life where you take him very seriously right this very moment. I want to take him seriously in every area of my life. He has wisdom. He has understanding. He has a better view of things than I do. This virus did not catch God by surprise. It's like, oh my gosh, how can I answer all these prayers? No, God is never caught by surprise. The fear of the Lord recognizes who God is to us. And Jesus Christ delighted in God. Jesus Christ was one who truly had the fear of the Lord. And as we've been studying what it means to be a disciple, our example is Jesus Christ. We study him. 
he delighted to do the will of the Lord. Look what it says in Isaiah chapter 33. It says, he, referring to the Lord, will be the sure foundation for your times, a rich store of salvation and wisdom and knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. These things that people seek for, it's all behind this door. It's all behind door number one. How do you get into door number one? The key is the fear of the Lord. Now, God could have chosen a different word than fear. There are other words in Hebrew that could be used to express being in awe of God, standing in wonder at his goodness, in amazement. There are other words that God could have chosen. He purposefully chose the word fear. He purposefully chose a word that could have a double meaning, both positive and negative. He knew that his people were well familiar with paralyzing fear. He understood this. So he chose that same word and used it to describe a fear that calms all those other fears down. Because if you fear the Lord, if you fear the Lord, you will fear nothing else. And that is simply the truth. I want to close in Proverbs chapter 14. It says, Whoever fears the Lord has a secure fortress. And for their children, it will be a refuge. So let's pray together, okay? Heavenly Father, you are a good and a wonderful and a great God. And we thank you for all that you have shown us about your love and your goodness. And at this very moment, God, just as Christ spoke peace to the apostles... I speak peace, the peace of God, the peace of Christ to everyone here today, for all those who are listening in, God. We can accept your peace because we know who you are. We have the fear of the Lord in our hearts, and therefore no other fear has any place there, God. So I thank you for this time. I thank you for this week, God. I thank you, and I pray against, we pray against this disease, and we just command it to dissipate in the name of Jesus Christ. And God, I pray that men and women open their hearts to you, to see you in all of your goodness, in all of your mercy, in all of your delivering power, Father. And I pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you.